Good evening, you're listening to KFSK. It's just before 6 o'clock. Nice evening here in Petersburg, all around Southeast. And the state House candidates for House District 2 will be debating. That's Rebecca Himshoot and Kenny Scaffelstead. And Rebecca Himshoot is in... uh, available right now and we were waiting on Mr. Scaffolstead to join and we'll have the uh, debate coming up here shortly uh, with or without uh, the candidate uh, we'll go ahead with just the one candidate if we need to uh, again Kenny Scaffolstead and Rebecca Hemshoot uh, in a debate this evening scheduled uh, a couple of weeks back that's coming up here on KFSK Okay, again, as we uh, wait here, uh, we've got uh, the candidates, Kenny Scaffolstead and Rebecca Hemshoot, uh agreed to a debate this evening. They are the two candidates for Alaska House District 2, representing Petersburg and Sitka, among other communities. And uh, we're waiting on Mr. Scaffolstead to... Uh, join us that'll be coming up here shortly in the meantime we'll take a look at our weather forecast this evening uh, we're looking at a little bit of rain overnight southeast winds to 10 miles per hour and tomorrow rain before 7 a.m and then lightening up to some showers uh, up until early afternoon and then it'll start to uh, dry off a bit highs tomorrow in the upper 40s and lows tomorrow in the mid-30s tomorrow night. Patchy fog developing Friday night as it's going to start to uh, clear up a bit because we're going to get some northerly winds coming in with patchy fog early on Saturday morning. Mostly sunny on Saturday. Highs will be near 47 and becoming cloudy late on Saturday night. And then on Sunday, mostly cloudy. And again, the highs on Sunday will be in the mid-40s and the lows will be in the mid-30s. And remaining partly sunny on Monday as well. Highs in the mid-40s, lows in the mid-30s. And then there's a chance of rain Tuesday and Wednesday. So a really nice stretch of weather after some very heavy rains and some high winds over the last few days here around Central Southeast. Take a look at our birthday book. Happy birthday to Roxy Lee today. Also, Naomi Weldy, 
Jesse Agner, Mike Nelson Jr., and Sarah Trask. Tomorrow, happy birthday to Olin Vick. And happy anniversary for Ellen and Dave Roycewitz. Also, Randy and Judy Henderson with anniversaries tomorrow. There's a meet and greet for Senator Burt Stedman tomorrow evening from 5 to 7 at Mark Jensen's home at 1201 Wrangell Avenue. Public Library has a presentation by Gay Sheffield, agent for the Bering Street Region Alaska Sea Grant Marine Advisory Program. There are a lot of folks here in town for the Alaska Sea Grant Marine Advisory Program, and they've got some good activities going on uh, over the past couple of days and continuing. And again, that is tomorrow evening, 5 o'clock, at the Public Library. Learn how the changing Arctic is affecting the marine ecosystem and maritime ecosystems. And now we've got uh, Kenny Scaffelstead has joined us, so we're ready to start our debate tonight. From 6 to 7, we'll be hearing from candidate running for House District 2, Rebecca Hemshoot. She's from Sitka. And we're hoping also that Kenny Carl Scaffelstad of Huna will be joining us this hour as well. We're expecting him to join us. Just a reminder to the candidate and candidates and to the listeners before we begin. Every two years, we host a legislative candidate forum and the format of the forum is not a debate. This is an opportunity to compare your views and opinions on the state and a chance for voters to learn where you stand on key issues. That being said, your time is yours and you can use it how you choose. If you want to address another candidate's stance on an issue, you're welcome to do so. And even though these issues are complex, we are bound by time and we want to get to as many listener questions as possible tonight. There is a two minute time limit on each question. And I respectfully ask that you stick to that time limit. This will allow us to get to as many questions as possible in the next hour. Catherine will be displaying time cards on the screen, so you will know how much time you have left for each question. So right now, I'm going to tell you how you can join in this conversation. This is your chance to ask candidates your questions. If you have any questions, you can call Raven Radio at 747-5879 or give them an email, news at kcaw.org. So let's start with opening statements. First from Rebecca Hemshoot. Thanks, Angela. I really appreciate the opportunity to um, introduce myself to the wider listenership of KFSK and KCAW and for all you do to get information out to the folks of the district. Um, I've made my home in Sitka, and I've lived here for about 25 years, and I think Southeast Alaska is the most special place on Earth, and it's absolutely the most beautiful. My family is across Alaska. My niece and nephew were born in Anchorage, and my brother and his wife raised them in Dillingham, and I have a niece here in Petersburg, where I am tonight, um, and she and her husband are raising their daughter here in Petersburg. And as a family, we share a strong commitment to the well-being of Alaska's rural and remote communities. I've been an educator for three decades, and I've been lucky enough to serve students and families in both public and private schools overseas in Hawaii, and most recently for about 18 years here in Alaska. 
And I've been able to work in formal and informal settings, including National Park Service and, um, like I said, schools. In 2016, Governor Walker appointed me to the State Board of Education, and that's kind of where my public service began. And then in 2020, I was elected to the Sitka Assembly. As much as any individual ordinance or resolution that I've supported or sponsored, I think um, the thing that I am most pleased with is the professional level that we've brought to the assembly. And so I think um, I bring a certain stability and civility to our deliberations, and that's important to me. Um, I've been working hard to get across the district from Yakutat to Heidelberg to try to learn the issues and priorities of each of our communities. And I will tell you, each of our communities in this district are distinct and unique, but there are some common themes. Ferries crop up all the time. We need a stable ferry system. Um, on Prince of Wales, people talk a lot about substance misuse. Our harbors um, are struggling, and each community has their own needs, but we all need strong schools. So with that, um, I'm ready to start talking about issues in particular. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Hemshoot. And I believe we have Kenny Carl Scaffelstad joining us tonight. Are you there? Kenny is here. Do you uh, have uh, audio for me? Okay, well, if you don't have any questions, we'll get into your opening statements. Yes, no questions. I couldn't find you for a few minutes there, but I'm glad to find you tonight. And uh, I first want to let you know how greatly I appreciate you opening this forum so that we can we can have this opportunity to talk to people in, in Alaska and especially our region. Kenny Carl Scaffolstead. Kenny Carl is my nickname by many uh, as I grew up in this region. I was born and raised in this district. This is my home. I've lived uh, uh, in most of my life. Uh, boy, um, went to high school in Petersburg, traveled to every town and village have friends or family and acquaintances. And I am one that's very, very aware of the lifestyle challenges of the past, of the present time, and of the expected future in this region. Um, I'm talking to you tonight from uh, great God's country in, in my home in Huna, Alaska. Uh, and have successfully awaited out the storm. I don't have uh, a singular issue to, uh, to address. My background has been uh, as a person with questions and eventually a person with answers to uh, bring to various governing bodies. I've been a city council member back in the mid 90s I then was uh, uh, elected as the mayor of Huna in 2014 um, and have, uh, have filled many advisory roles and technical roles in helping communities. Um, and of course, uh, a, a lot of that in, in Huna here, but have a lot of interaction throughout, uh, throughout the region for which I run and seek to be the representative. Um, Again, I look forward to tonight's forum, and that's my statement. Okay, thank you, Mr. Scaffoldstad, and we are happy that you are joining us tonight. The next question will be for Ms. Hemshoot, and this is about the state budget. 
Last legislative session with oil prices at a high, the legislature took a graduated approach to state funding where at certain benchmarks, things like schools would receive forward funding or there would be an extra deposit to the permanent fund. So the question is, do you support the idea of designing a budget around price benchmarks as this last legislature did? How should the state respond to a decline in state revenue? Thanks for that question, Angela. Um, yes, I think it was wise to look forward when we had a surplus and to use that surplus in a way where if prices fell and we couldn't meet the commitments that the legislature was trying to make, that there was sort of a fail-safe to keep us from um, overspending. So if I understand your question correctly, you're asking if I thought they acted appropriately, and, and I think they did. Of course, I'm disappointed that education wasn't forward-funded because that's one of the um, most important things we can do for our schools right now. Schools are, are really struggling, and if we can provide them early funding or predictable funding, that's a great way to... Um, to, to take some of the uncertainty out of public education. And if schools know what they have to deal with, then they know how to both budget and staff. And so um, it's disappointing that we weren't able, or it appears we're not able to go ahead and, and be committed to that forward funding that the legislature attempted to provide. But yes, going forward, when we have a surplus, I'd like to make sure that we um, provide some guarantees and some certainty where we can, especially in education. Okay, thanks for that answer. And Mr. Scaffoldstad, um, do you support the idea of designing a budget around price benchmarks as this last legislature did? In a in the given scenario that was that was delivered to the the, the past legislature, um, I I do support the setting of a benchmark because. Um, how how else um, how else could we maintain control in time of economic challenge? So yes, short answer is uh, I, I'm in support of how the legislature uh, uh, controlled the dynamics of what was the place in at, at that time. I'm in slight uh, difference uh, from my opponent in this issue and that I think that when it comes to educational spending, I think that the record of the Alaska legislature funding education uh, stands for itself. There are times when they feel a need to uh, to reduce funding to education. However, I think a way that education system might do better is for us to adopt an incentive uh, performance uh, based appraisal uh, for education. Um, I think that the Education Society can expect ample funding uh, from Alaska, and the record uh, the record speaks for itself uh, about that. Um, but I think it would help secure uh, all, all points of view about educational funding if the uh, Education Society were to uh, verify that they indeed had an intact education system of which to consider as opposed to um, uh, as opposed to things that aren't do quite doing so well uh, as as compared uh, across the nation. Okay, yeah, you both 
brought up education when I asked about the budget. So kind of digging a little bit deeper into education. Um, in recent years, uh, per pupil spending in Alaska was just over $18,000 per pupil, which was the sixth highest in the nation. And that same year, Alaska posted the fourth lowest graduation rate nationwide. And Alaska's fourth graders had the fifth lowest percentage proficiency in mathematics and were dead last in fourth grade reading. That was from a 2019 national assessment. So what are your ideas about improving student achievement? If you could kind of explain more about what you were saying. Can we start with you, Mr. Scalpelstad? Yeah, I think simply stated for, for in the interest of time, I think we can go to a, an old motto as far as the legislature is concerned, and that is the, the buck stops here. I think Alaska has a good sense of what education means uh, for our children and our youth. Um, I don't think that the populace nor the legislature are out of touch with what that means, but I think things get way complicated when we start mixing uh, mixing things that aren't in the norm of what's expected education. Um, certainly low scores and proficiency in basic education uh, um, standards uh, would derive from me an idea that the school district uh, to be assured of funding might very well produce a plan, a program themselves that would uh, would, would dole out a, a, a traditional education, a plan to improve their district's uh, standings as compared to others. And, and I think that on a district by district um, um, level, that the legislature might devise a program by which those school districts that do so, as I propose, uh, might be rewarded in a more predictable amount, so to speak. Like the purse strings are what will deliver us uh, education standard improvement um, because that is what the legislature has to do, I think, an involvement with the local education system, the local government, the local uh, school boards, the local parent uh, teacher associations uh, would be of great interest to uh, re-enliven and for the citizens themselves to uh, give themselves a, 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 uh, an evaluation as to what they think of their, their own local education and to counsel their local school district um, so that that they could participate in this proposed um, idea about a performance-based, incentive-based uh, education funding level, split level program. Okay. Thank you, Thank you Mr. Scaffoldstad. And Ms. Hemshoot, if you could answer the question, what are you going to do? What are some specifics that you're going to do to improve student achievement? And if you want to go a little bit over time, that's fine. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I don't think you should ever invite me to go over time on education policy, but um, I will do my best to, to work within the two-minute time limit. Um, 
I agree that partnership with families is probably the number one thing that schools need to do. And I think we're doing a good job of that in our schools. Um, one of the number one things we can do is we can fund schools early so that they know what they have to work with so that they can staff accordingly. And then what we need is to make sure that the staff that is um, supposed to be hired is actually hired. We started the school year with a thousand teachers short. That was a thousand classrooms without teachers at the beginning of the school year. And that's down to 700 now, but in a system as small as ours, 700 teachers is a significant shortage. So one thing we can do is make sure that we have a teacher in every classroom and to have a teacher in every classroom, there's a lot we can do to build up our teacher education programs, but we also need to keep the teachers we have. And by returning to a defined benefit retirement system or an option for a defined benefit, rather than teachers coming in, spending a couple of years and then leaving again, they have an incentive to stay in the state and continue working with our kids. They don't just come in, get trained and become a better teacher and then leave. They come in, they get trained and they stay and they work within the cultures of our schools. And so that's another very important part of improving education outcomes in the state. We are an incredibly diverse state. We have an intense need for cultural revitalization, which is underway. We can continue working with tribes through tribal compacting and we can expand what happens in our communities to make sure that kids have the education that they need. And I would just caution um, the, the source of the question to think about our schools, not just in, um, let's not measure our outcomes just by student test scores. There's so much more that's happening in our schools in Alaska that um, lead to successful lives for our students. And it's not necessarily the test score that measures the success of the student. I don't think any parent would approve of me saying your child is a success or failure based on a score. They wanna know more about their child and I'm happy to tell them all of the things that their child can do in art, in the things that they're doing with their hands, in music, in, in whatever activities we're doing, there's citizenship skills involved in that. And so let's not measure our schools just by test scores. Let's be a little bit broader and measure our schools by the successes of our kids. Thank you, Ms. Timshoot. Now let's talk about ferries. The state is proposing to rework the Alaska Marine Highway System through a new plan called Reimagining AMHS Program. It's supposed to fix the budget, short staffing, and fleet maintenance. But is it? But is that enough? Is that um, good enough? It, it says it's tied. It's this program's budget is tied to state appropriations. So what do you want to see in the ferry system in the next five years? And how do you specifically want to get us there? Let's start with Mr. Scaffoldstad. I think that a not, I think that not a loud enough voice has been given to an equation which compares the Alaska Marine Highway System in our district to the spur off the highway that leads to any other roadside community in Alaska. I think that the title Alaska Marine Highway should be accented. It is the highway, it is the road to town. It is an absolute and has become a way of life, a way of economy for the region. Um, and I think that that instead of looking at 
the ferry service as a commodity that can be that's enjoyed because these people live by the water that should be looked at for what it is and that is a necessity to the communities that are dependent upon it and i don't think that again i don't think that a strong enough persuasion has been given to those that might help us to um to to prioritize the Alaska Marine Highway System as a token of the pride of the uniqueness and the totality of the great state of Alaska. Um, specifically, the challenges in maintaining with the current philosophy of addressing the, um, the Marine Highway each year uh, arrives uh, Brings the, brings the Alaska Marine Highway to the political table to play football with, and it's kicked and tossed around and negotiated, and uh, many times um, the greatest management ideas or things are tossed aside because the political happenings uh, with the budgeting and funding and, and decision-making become more of a uh, become more of a game than a realization that this is a substantial way of life for many of Alaskans. Thank you, um, Mr. Scaffoldstead. Thank you. We have a lot of questions to get to tonight, so I'm going to uh, go to Ms. Hemshute and ask you what you see, um, what you'd like to see in the ferry system in the next five years, and how specifically do we get there? That's um, probably the most important question I've heard across the, the district as I've traveled almost two times now to every community in the district. I keep hearing about ferries. It's a very important part of our um, communities and our connections together. So um, I would like to see um, a complete reimagining, a complete reinvention of the ferry system. We have almost a generation right now who can't remember when the ferries really functioned and worked for our communities. So. Um, it's going to take those of us who remember what it used to be to bring it back to what it should be. And um, what it should be is new vessels. We can't continue to nurse along 50 and 60 year old vessels. Um, they're just too tired. No matter what kind of maintenance you do, that's just a really old vessel to maintain. And then as we reimagine the new vessels, we need to be thinking forward. What do we need our ferry system to do in 10 and 20 years and 30 and 40 and 50? How do we build a system that is sustainable? So the next five years need to be um, need to be an incremental change in how we operate the ferries and a change in the vessels themselves. And so we're going to have to think how we want them to work and then invest the infrastructure money that's coming down from President Biden and Senator Murkowski. There's a lot of money coming into the state to help us make a ferry system that will work. And I think and a really important part of that is going to be to have a public corporation model where there's a board operating the ferries or making decisions, policies, regulations for the ferries, um, similar to the Alaska Railroad. And the idea there is we've had several different governors since 1998. We've had a different governor every four years and a change in direction with a change in governor. And so money has come in, vessels have been built and then mothballed in short time. That's what we need to avoid, and I, I couldn't agree more 
that the ferries are the most important connector between our communities and the topic I've heard the most about throughout the district. Thank you, Ms. Hemshoot. I would like to remind listeners that this is your chance to ask candidates your questions. If you have any questions for these candidates, please give KCAW a call. That number is 907-747-5879, or you can email news at kcaw.org. Now we've heard uh, talk about education and we've heard talk about the ferries and within that conversation was the need for budget and more money. So I'd like to ask you now about taxes and I'll, we'll start with uh, Ms. Hemshoot. What is your stance on a new state income tax? Do you support any other tax options? That is a, a really great question that I am committed to spending more time on. I will tell you that the Fiscal Policy Working Group, which was a bipartisan effort last year to come up with a plan, what are we going to do about the permanent fund? And let's settle that question and move on so that we are not arguing over that every single legislature. So that group suggested there will be or determined there will need to be other revenue sources and so there will need to be some kind of a tax. Alaska used to have an income tax. I am willing to take a look at that. I'm willing to look at a sales tax. I'm willing to look at other kinds of taxes. Um, always when we talk about taxes, we want to make sure that they're limited and that um, and that they're not regressive. And so if we can find a fair um, revenue stream through taxes, I'm willing to look at it. I'm not willing to say just yet what I think that should be. Okay, and Mr. Scaffoldstad, what is your stance on a new state income tax? I'm just generally opposed to taxes of Alaskan people. I think that with good reason, Alaskans uh, uh, canceled out that former income tax. However, I recognize that there was an, a necessity um, seen in the far past for that. Um, but with the advent of oil revenues, it was deemed that we could get by without it. Seemingly the challenges lately um, have been that we are so entirely dependent on the barrel price of, of our chief commodity, that being oil, um, and that being the indicator of revenue almost entirely um, that fluctuation places us in a volatile situation to where we've had had such devastating ideas as to go and use the people's money perhaps without their permission um, and to i think that an income tax is a thing that must be discussed, that must be explored as a matter of necessity. Um, it needs to be introduced for its pros and cons. Again, I'm against all taxation, but I'm against shutting down the entire state of Alaska as well. I think in a, a big answer in the big scheme of things needs to be that we need to work on lessening the bounds against resource development. The natural resources 
are the basis for potential industrial development, much like the oil industry or other producing industries. We as a state must be producing in order to create commerce and we have no further to look than our resources to do that. I think that it needs to be at the forefront of every Alaskan's mind that in order for us to be able to have the government services that we debate over year after year, that we have to have enough money to pay for it. That's the question, actually. Um, to go and tax the hardworking people of Alaska while we're not even having a discussion about what we can do to develop our natural resources would be anti-Alaskan. And uh, I'm, I'm for taking a look at that. I'm also for sincerely uh, reviewing, investigating, and studying the idea of tax taxes as a matter of necessity. All right, thank you, Mr. Scaffoldstad. Um, we're gonna go to a question that we have received from a caller tonight. And that question is, how do you plan to work across the aisle in Juneau and do you plan to maintain the bipartisan coalition? First, we'll go to Ms. Himshoot. Thanks for that question. And um, I mentioned already in my introduction how important it was to me to work in an environment of respect. And I have learned in my years of teaching that respect is something you earn. Um, and I, uh, I'm really proud of the work that our Sitka Assembly has done to, to maintain a respectful environment at all times. And, and that's what I hope to carry forward to the legislature. Um, I am committed to a bipartisan coalition. I think that rural Alaska um, is basically outnumbered by folks in the road system. And so when it comes to questions of ferries and services for rural Alaska, we need to have a unified voice. And I think that unified voice comes from the bipartisan coalition. And so I'm committed to, to trying to make a coalition work. And um, I guess I would just add from personal experience, I have found in my years of teaching, there's an education researcher who was a, um, a, a policy person for George Bush, and her name is Diane Ravitch. And in her writing, she talks about <clears throat> how our classrooms in public schools are the only place where you are in a room full of people you didn't choose to be with besides the draft. And um, I'm sorry to pivot back to education, but I take a lot of my sort of guidance from my, my own experiences in life. And it's true that a classroom is a group of people you didn't choose to be with and you learn important skills there about getting along with each other, being respectful to each other and making things work sometimes in the face of adversity. And I think the legislature is one thing Diane Ravitch missed. That's one more place where you're in a room full of people you didn't choose to be with. And we're gonna have to use, I guess, all of the skills I've learned across my lifetime to make sure that that remains a respectful environment and that we can reach across and take care of some of the important things that need to be done for the state, sort of regardless of personal philosophy or certainly parties. Um, thank you, Ms. Hemshu. Just a follow-up question. Would does that mean you would be willing to join a coalition majority that isn't your own party? Well, since I'm running as an independent, um, I don't really have a party. So I guess I've already answered that question just by running as an independent. But yes, I would. Um, whatever it takes to get things done for the state is what I'm willing to do. Okay, thank you for that. 
And Mr. Scalfelstad, uh, next to you, how do you plan to work across the aisle in Juneau? And do you plan to maintain the bipartisan coalition? I come from a long history of my own life and my ancestors have worked successfully in producing and, and happily approaching the challenges of the day, whether it be a community, uh, a new school building, uh, a local road, uh, or a new business in town. And uh, I think uh, the greatness of our system comes from ample debate. Um, going across the aisle is the most attractive thing <laughs> in terms of getting work done as a legislator or a government uh, operative uh, in that there's, there's common ground and that common ground are the people that voted us into the office. And the interest of each can be, um, can be recognized, can be discussed and um, discussion, a sense of comradery can be gained and progress can be made with simple political negotiation. That being said, I am adamantly against the bipartisan coalition. I don't believe in it. I think that when voters speak and they vote a person with a party line uh, next to their name, that's their intent. And I think that uh, those representatives have an obligation to, to use the consensus of the Alaska people. Um, to forward the philosophies and the principles and the values of that line of thinking. I think we've shown some detriment to ourselves by um, taking on one hand the intent of the Alaskan people and voting a majority of representatives from one political philosophy and in turn with the bipartisan coalition then giving them the voting majority in one of our bodies. And it was, in my opinion, to the detriment of our, of our state. Okay, and so what I, what I, thank you. So what I'm getting from, from you is that you would not uh, join a coalition majority if it, if it say it was Democrats. I am in general against bipartisan coalition for what, what it has become in our state legislature. Um, I would not join a, as recently defined, a bipartisan coalition um, to forsake the sentiments of the voters of Alaska. Okay, thank you. All right, um, staying with you, Mr. Scafflestad, let's talk about housing. With housing purchase prices, and housing rental costs skyrocketing, how will you ease the housing market crisis in Southeast Alaska? The housing market crisis is a challenge. So this is a place where government has shown its, uh, shown its involvement in, in various cases in history. And in my opinion, government can have influence and be a team player 
with the organizations that that work with us now, such being from the federal side, HUD. Um, uh, uh, they're, they're, again, there are state agencies that help to coordinate that. Um, the tribal compacts within the most of the towns um, in our region um, would be a would be an advisable scenario to address the private sector. Uh, again, to promote incentives to the private sector to address a a, a recognized market um, in the interest of uh, securing their ongoing local economy would be a discussion to be had. Um, I am not I'm not a big fan of a new state program that needs to involve itself in providing housing in for sake of this uh, of the of this ongoing problem. It's a thing that I recognize, but I think uh, solutions could come with diplomacy, uh, with team building and uh, and uh, and and I think additions to the economic, the local economy would be a great benefactor to make private investment uh, more desirable, to make uh, non-profit housing organizations and, and government uh, assistant organizations from the federal side um, uh, see, see our problem as uh, an attractant and a, and a problem that they want to help solve. Okay, thank you, Mr. Scaffelstad. Ms. Hemshoot, on to you about housing. How will you ease the housing market crisis in Southeast? There are a lot of steps, and I think I mentioned before, um, each of our communities is incredibly different from the other. And you know, I've been here a few decades in, in Southeast Alaska and um, only recently have had the extreme pleasure of traveling to a lot of the smaller communities in the district something I always wanted to do, and I've only now been able to really get to all of them and spend time talking with community leaders, and housing is an issue in every single community. So um, some things we can do in, in Sitka, we have a model land trust that could be expanded to become a statewide program where housing is built on land that is owned by the community, and there are ways to scale that up to a statewide model. I find that the different housing programs potentially are underfunded, but also people don't necessarily know where to go to get help with connecting to a home. So there could be, um, I'm, in my mind, I'm calling it a housing connector, someone who is just available to help individuals who are looking to purchase a home, find a home and find the different programs that can help them um, uh, get into their first home. Or even if it's not their first home, a lot of programs are geared to first-time home buyers. Maybe we can expand those programs. And then um, I think working with the tribes, the tribes have done a fantastic job of adding housing to their communities. So let's continue those programs. We need to incentivize ADUs in some of our bigger communities, especially I know in Sitka, we have a lot of short-term rentals and that um, has generated questions around whether the short-term rentals are, are, are or are not adding to the housing crunch in Sitka. And that needs to be studied and we need to have some good solid data so that we can make informed policies and, and take measures to support affordable housing development. Another thing that we could add to would be construction loans so that if a family or someone is able to get land, 
that they are able to actually get a loan to build the house that they can afford to build rather than having to find an already existing house that's within their within their reach. Thank you, Ms. Hemshoot. Listeners, this is your chance to ask candidates your questions. If you have any questions, please call us at 907-747-5879, or you can email news at kcaw.org. The next question, do you support a constitutional convention? Why or why not? Mr. Scafflestad. This is my opportunity to flip-flop. Just a few short weeks ago, I was adamantly opposed to a constitutional convention for fear that it would create a rat's nest of activity about any and all things. And I stand corrected. I think that perusal by the citizens of Alaska and by their uh, appointed representatives is uh, is perhaps a worthwhile thing to take a look at. Um, I'm, I'm now better informed about what that uh, potential process uh, might be and might offer. Um, I'm, I'm not afraid of it. My faith is in the good Alaskans and those representatives that they may choose to participate um, in that. Um, I have faith in the, the system that provides at each question that would be uh, that would be posed to change our our very valuable state constitution would be then redressed to the people. I'm not against it. I think anytime we can involve uh, the citizens, get closer to the citizens sentiment, and uh, get government sitting by the wayside in, in, in those proceedings, I think that's a good thing. So I have changed my mind, and I'm not adamant in carrying a sign for it, but I'm not opposed to a constitutional convention um, subject to the individual topics that may be addressed uh, and, and deemed to be altered in a great way. I think there's room for uh, modernization, if you will. Okay, thank you, Mr. Scafflestad. Um, staying with that vein, one of the topics or one of the issues in Alaska's constitution is a woman's right to choose. Do you support a woman's right to choose? I, I support the idea that government doesn't have business in declaring the morals chosen by a woman or a man or a couple. Um, I am not in favor of the practice of abortion uh, from a moral standpoint. However, I'm not in favor of the government spending a whole bunch of time uh, getting in the way of uh, a person's uh, liberty, um, no matter what my moral values might be. I hope that's understandable. So I'm uh, adamantly opposed to the state of Alaska, given our challenges, uh, playing a big role in funding or promoting or politicizing 
um, these ideas in general, but I'm very respectful of individual rights and individual freedoms and liberties because the country I live in and the state I live in um, kind of promote that for us. Okay, thank you, That's Mr. Thank you, Mr. Scavelstad. And that was kind of, I realized that was a kind of a two-part two-part question, but but they're related. Um, so Ms. Himshu, do you support a constitutional convention? Why or why not? I do not support a constitutional convention. And my reasons for that are that we've already amended our constitution 28 times. So we've shown it can be done and when it needs to be done, we do it. And so having a pathway to amend the constitution for individual questions that we may have within our constitution. Um, you know, I love the idea of modernizing or, or whatever our constitution, but that can be done one item at a time as needed. And I think it's a model constitution that is um, admired across, across the nation. And so with that in mind, let's not open the whole thing. Let's just open the parts that need to be opened as we need to open them. So I don't think we need a convention since we have a process to amend. And I think if we if we vote to have a convention, it's going to cost a whole bunch of money that is unnecessarily going to be spent on what could be a very chaotic process. And it might, or likely would, destabilize the state and, and make us look like less of a business-friendly place. Or, you know, we have out-migration from our state right now. 20,000 people or more in the last few years have left the state. That's concerning that people don't see the state as a place to stay and raise your family. It's not just retirees who are leaving. It's like four out of 10 are young people who are leaving the state rather than choosing to make their lifetime here. So with that in mind, let's keep as much stability as we can within the state for the purposes of commerce and so that folks see us as a stable place with good schools and a great place to raise a family. Okay, so for clarification, Ms. Himshoot, do you support a woman's right to choose? I am um, a supporter of personal freedoms, and I think when you support personal freedom, you have to support all personal freedom, and that, that means that a woman should be making her medical choices with her physician, and I don't think it's anyone else's business. And um, I think, yeah, so I absolutely support a woman's right to choose. Okay, thank you, Ms. Himshoot. Mr. Scaffoldstad, the next question is, what do you think Alaska's PFD should look like? Should the PFD formula be amended? And if you say yes, how? No, I don't think the PFD formula should be amended. I think that it was, that it was formulated um, with an intent, with an idea in mind. Um, and the reason I say I'm not for reformulating that is that we haven't we haven't in a straight up fashion dealt with the fact that we do have a formula we have a statute that that uh, that prevails there we have actions that uh, to some extent uh, contradict that statute now i'm not i'm not confident that we could uh, act any better were we to go and 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 try to uh, and try to renumerate the the formula for that. Um, the Alaska Permanent Fund is as it stands, and until ample reason 
uh, arrives for for new ideas or new formulas for the people's individual share of Alaska's oil revenue. Um, I think it should stay as it is, and I think that the Alaskans should get their permanent fund as it's statutorily provided. Okay, thank you, Mr. Skeppelstad. Ms. Hemshoot, what do you think about Alaska's PFD? What should it look like? Should the formula be amended, and if so, how? Uh, the PFD is an incredibly important question that we have been tossing around for a long time in the state. It would be great to finally have resolution on it, and I don't believe it is resolved. Um, the courts have upheld the changes that have been made in the past few years, and so we don't need to argue um, the quote-unquote statutory PFD. However, um, Governor Murkowski said it best when he said we need to move to a percent of market value. And, and once we have done that, the, the permanent fund will then be there for future generations as much as it is for us today. And that's, I think, um, of paramount importance. We need to make sure that whatever we do with the PFD, we manage it in such a way that what's there for us now is there for future generations as well. Okay, thank you, Ms. Hemshoot. Now we've come to closing statements. We would like to give each of you two minutes and you can talk about topics that maybe we haven't covered yet tonight in our questions. Let's start with you, Ms. Hemshoot. Thanks. Um, I, yeah, I can just very briefly run through a few more things that I'd like folks to know about me. And I wanted to thank my opponent for joining in tonight and thank KCW and KIFK for hosting us. Um, I chose Southeast as my home, and um, I recognize that, that I'm a guest here, and I'm very pleased to be in Southeast Alaska and to have made my lifetime here. I worked hard to graduate from UAS, and then I worked for, or have been working for nearly 20 years as an elementary teacher in Sitka. Um, I was finally able to buy my home in 2018 after renting for decades. I consider Southeast Alaska the most special place on earth, and I know the struggle it is for many people to stay here and to raise their family. Um, I am going to work in Juneau to make sure that our communities in Southeast Alaska are places where we all thrive. Um, I can't claim to represent all of the cultures of this region, but I am very committed to working hard to stabilize school funding, to, to, to get back a functional ferry system, and to ensure that Southeast Alaska gets our fair share of state services. And in all the communities I've gotten to visit multiple times, I have been made very welcome. And that has been um, hugely gratifying to get out in the district and meet people and, and get to know the issues and the priorities of each of the communities. So I'm, I'm, I just wanna add that I'm really proud of my work as a teacher and as an assembly member in Sitka. And one of the reasons I ran for assembly was again, the civility and stability that I wanted to bring to, to local city government. And I think the communities of House District 2 can expect the same from me in Juneau. I'll work hard and I'll operate with dignity and I'll operate with respect as your representative. So thank you for the opportunity tonight to talk about the issues and thanks for hosting. Thank you. And now, Mr. Scaffoldstad, you're closing. I have some idea that it's about high time that the region, uh, the district, as it were, that Rebecca and I are seeking to be elected in, that they have an opportunity to elect a, a working class 
regular southeastern guy that has also had experience in government. Well, you can rely on a guy that has the ability to find across the aisle, if it were, bipartisan support for ideas that can work, whether they be for a community or for the region. To know that you have elected a person that might have just passed you out on a trolling drag, or he might have been that guy in rain gear out with a pick and shovel, or running a big heavy piece of equipment, building a highway or a bridge or a street. I think that this is a place that, in a time, where the people in Southeast of Alaska have a chance to look at the perils of our country and can look at the challenges to our district. And they can consider that the, the values, that the priorities of this particular Southeastern guy belong in Juneau, representing them hearing them and carrying their voice to decisions that are directly attributable to this, to this district and to the people that live in it. And I think that my background and my exposure, I think that this Alaska Native man can amply um, present an attribute to the Alaska legislature that they haven't seen in a long time. And I think that the new District 2 of Southeast Alaska has wants to do that. And, uh, and I think that that's a way better idea than finding, uh, finding, a, finding a different choice uh, when we have this opportunity. It's been a long time since we've had a regular guy in, uh, in a Juneau legislature, and I think it's time. Thank you, Mr. Scaffelstad. I want to say thank you to the two candidates joining us tonight. I had a great time joining you from Petersburg. Thank you to the public for submitting your question. This concludes our forum with the candidates for House District 2, Rebecca Hemshoot and Kenny Carl Scaffelstad. Don't forget, election night is Tuesday, November 8th. And now I'm going to send it to you, Catherine, at Raven Radio. Thanks, Angela. And thank you all so much for listening this evening. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW, Sitka. And KFSK here in Petersburg. That was a uh, collaboration between KCAW, Sitka, and KFSK Petersburg. Thank you to the candidates, uh, Kenny Scaffelstad and Rebecca Himshoot, for participating tonight. That's the House District 2 candidates that you will see on the ballot uh, representing Petersburg and Sitka and some other communities, smaller communities in Southeast Panhandle. And again, the election coming up on Tuesday, November 8th. You can vote early in person beginning on Monday, this Monday, October 24th. Voting here in Petersburg in person is from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday, all the way through the Monday before the election. And that's over in the uh, Parks and Rec Community Center uh, for the early voting that begins on Monday. And a big thank you to uh, Sally Dwyer and others that are going to help out with the uh, early voting. 